Thanks for downloading a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. Go to www.3cr.org.au for more information and to donate online. Now stay tuned for your 3CR podcast. Five, four, three, two, one. You're listening to 3CR Community Radio. Rumination, 3CR's Rooming House and Homeless Persons Issues Program, featuring information on health and housing services, as well as live local guests, artists and performers from our unsung community. Join us at 12pm on Thursday on 3CR 855 AM. America. Wow, that was faded into the background. What was that, Kelly? Um, and uh, sorry, we didn't give a heads up with a language warning yeah. at the start. I didn't hear the swearing. Um, no. But that was Lonnie Holly. He's a uh, fantastic artist from uh, Georgia okay. in the states, and that track is called "I Woke Up in a Effed Up America." Okay, all right. Thanks for that. Oh, I just want to welcome everyone to Ruminations. Ruminations is a housing and homelessness program that is produced and uh, I, I, presented. Presented. Thank you, because <laughs> I, I was going to say put to air, and that sounds clunky. Um, by people who've had a lived experience of homelessness, um, either are homeless or have been homeless. So welcome to Ruminations, and I want to welcome um, my guest today, uh, Sam. Is it Salwine? Salwine. Don't worry, you're not okay. the first to get it wrong. Sam's from Justice Connect. Um, you're the, le- the lead practice lawyer, is that right? Principal lawyer. Principal, sorry. That's Principal okay. lawyer, Justice Connect, who do amazing things for people. Um, they help people with fines um, and custody issues, and Sam will tell us a little bit more about that. But for anyone that's um, uh, homeless um, and has fines, please get in touch with Justice Connect. They've been amazing. I can I can vouch for them personally. They've been amazing, and you know they can uh, help you deal with some. You know, fines are horrible to be chased around with. And my colleague Bridget, who I'm working on a project, we've been funded. Bridget Kelly. From, uh, from Co-Health. Co-Health. Yep. You're the, pra- the project lead. I'm lucky enough to be working with Spike on oh, a project. You're sweet. Uh, about rough sleepers we'll talk about a bit later. Yeah. And so, I'm Kelly. And Kelly, so I apologise. Hey, thanks so for having me. B- before we go any further, we need to acknowledge um, that um, 3CR uh, sits on land owned by um, the Wurundjeri people in the Kulin Nation. This land was never ceded, sovereignty was never ceded, so it's important that we acknowledge that. And it's important because it helps us look at um, our first uh, article that we're looking at that was in the papers recently. Um, It was called Dying With Your Rights, um, and it's coming out of the Centre for Independent Studies, which I think it's fair for me to say is a bit of a right-wing sort of think tank. Yep. Yeah, libertarian, mm-hmm. I guess they okay. call themselves. I would never. See, now I've got a problem with libertarian. Actually. That's what they okay. that's, that, that's what they claim to be. 
All right, well, that's nice for them to use that, but, you know, I mean, they've got a right to use that language if they like, but I think that's a misnomer, personally. So I wouldn't use libertarian myself. I think they're very much an establishment. You know, the values that they're putting forward are very much establishment conservative values. Anyway, so, okay, the article um, essentially was suggesting that the, the ABS homelessness stats have been uh, inflated because it counts people that are in crisis of calm, rooming houses. Um, he, this individual even uh, talks about recent immigrants to Australia who he says have cultural reasons for living in overcrowded conditions, which is sort of, I don't know, every time I hear something like that, it's like a th- thinly veiled... Uh, should I say race, racist? Maybe you can say you know, that. cultural, ethnic. You now, when you when you hear words like cultural practices <laughs> or ethnic, that you hear those sort of words, it's sort of you know, it's a, a veiled um, judgment on how people live. Yeah, he's suggesting that the ABS figures are inflated. That the only people that should be counting in the, in those figures are rough sleepers, that people that live on the street. He's he's questioning the definition of what homelessness is that's been accepted by the sector. In uh, well, especially in Victoria, for a, a couple of decades, I suppose you know the three tiers: uh, primary, mm. secondary, tertiary, and the sort of the the the, the sort of more uh, and and basically that that respects that people need a, a place where they have security of tenure, where they're able to reproduce their lives and conduct um, you know their lives with dignity and develop relationships. He's got a problem. This person. Uh, Carlo, Carlos Abrero from the Centre for Independent Studies has got a problem with that. All right, guys. Sam, what, do you, what, what did you think? What did you get from? Look, Spike, I think it's interesting because I think as we were talking about before the show, I think what this points to is I think generally an ignorance that is more broad than just obviously the author of this study in relation to homelessness. Um, and, you know, it's true that I think a lot of people don't understand how homelessness is defined. And obviously there have been a number of, I think, debates um, over time around how you define homelessness. But I think that focusing on that really is, you know, one of those things where you're not actually focusing on what you need to. So, What he's saying in his article, which is very problematic, is around, you know, because it's so broad, then basically we're not we're not targeting the help where it needs to be, which is at people rough sleeping. But the reality about homelessness is that, you know, the reason it's it's broad like that is because what we're talking about is something more than just people not having a roof, whatever that looks like, over their head. What we're talking about is people's rights to have safe, secure, adequate adequate housing. So of course that means that we can't just look at rough sleeping because you need to look at the bigger picture. You need to look at why people are in certain situations, why they're in crisis accommodation and what the solutions are. Um, So I think it's not surprising to me that this has come out, this study, but I think there are obviously a lot of issues with it, not least the fact that, you know, if you're only looking at targeting rough sleepers with whatever supports or help, and his suggestions are quite problematic in that respect, then you're not seeing the bigger picture, which is about what's happening in Australia right now and a housing affordability crisis that's leading to people ending up rough sleeping, but also in crisis accommodation, also in insecure accommodation, also overcrowding. And unless you see that bigger picture, then any solution you have is not actually going to touch the sides. So so it would be fair to say that this, if you read... <clears throat> read this person's uh, piece of work independently, you, you, you could come away from it thinking, well, uh, there aren't any, there's no discussion of structural factors. 
there's no systemic, as far as he's concerned, there, there's no he, systemic critique. They're critiqued that the that the author says is an overemphasis oh, on, on, on structural issues. And so, yeah, no, I, um, just on that note, I, I just noticed that he, with the figures he's brought up, um, that. Uh, He's talking about the fact that, you know, a lot of money has been poured into homelessness services over the last few years, but rough sleeping has increased, and that's not taking into account what Sam's just mentioned about the housing crisis. I mean, you can um, fund homeless services as much as much as you like, but, and that's really necessary, but at the same time, if there's no affordable housing, there's not much that often homelessness service can do um, to actually change a person's situation. For people for mm. people in that situation. But some that his prescription to deal with it is, I, you know, like, I don't get shocked often, but this non-opt-out uh, institutionalisation and, and, and uh, state, like, guardianship. Maybe you should break it down for listeners, okay, like some sorry. of those recommendations. I, okay, so I'm, ju- I'm jumping the ship. So, okay, we've talked about how uh, this... This author, a psychologist, by the way, he comes from a mental health background. He, he's, he really concentrates on people's behaviour. He's concentrating on people's behaviour and what's visible, actually. So what, what he's, his prescription for dealing with rough sleepers is there should be outreach done. And rather than just referring to people who are sleeping rough, just referring them to uh, health services or AO, alcohol and drug you know, rehab service, he's saying that you should, they should be offered institutionalisation and, and not given the opportunity to opt out. He, yeah, that's he, right. It's not just offered. He's basically saying that people should be forced to either you know, be treated for mental health issues or alcohol and drug facilities, which he neglects to mention already exists as an option, so there's already involuntary yes. treatment for those things, mm-hmm. um, and guardianship, so that people basically are forced to have a guardian that makes decisions on their behalf because basically he deems them not capable of making those decisions, which once again exists. That already exists in Victoria, those laws, um, but obviously only applies in certain circumstances, as it should, because you're taking away someone's agency and autonomy. And he goes to town. He calls it. He calls it paternalistic for us to consider other people's rights. He's flipped that. He's flipped. He's flipped that. So, the paternalistic approach. You. You would. Uh, intuitively, as far as I'm concerned, would have been um, the paternalistic approach would be to institutionalise someone and control their lives, not actually recognise their rights. Where he calls. The approach that's taken right now, with all its problems, a paternalistic approach because it recognises. I mean, how does that sit? Does that sit? Does that make sense? He's calling for benign paternalism. I, I thought he was. Mm. I thought he was suggesting that we're taking a paternalistic approach. Why? No, he's saying that now people have okay. too many rights. That's why the the title of the report is "Dying with Their Rights on the Myths okay. and Realities of Ending Homelessness in Australia." People have too many rights at the moment. Was that your reading? That was my reading. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, I, yeah, okay. So, I've, I've got, I've got that bit wrong <laughs> <laughs> because, because when he was saying when he started talking about you know we're you know we're giving these people choice these people are dysfunctional uh they act out they have mental health problems he's basically he made a, a strong argument for people not actually a strong argument but he he sort of had observations about people's behavior uh, that it's criminal and all this sort of stuff that yeah okay and that's why he's saying that we should basically force people to do either have treatment or have someone else make decisions for them because at the moment what's happening is that they've got way you know we're we're 
basically giving them way too much autonomy and this rights sort of based approach is basically preventing us from dealing with the crisis. So that's his argument is that we need, as you say, mm. more more paternalistic, benign paternalism because it's in their best interests. Okay. Which is, a perv- I was saying earlier to the girls outside, it's, it's a really perverse um, stance spike coming from a libertarian think tank that's, that's what where their whole philosophy yeah. is based on people having rights and, and government getting mm. the hell out of the way of people's lives. So it's very strange. So there's this, there's a conflict at the heart of what he's talking about. There's the, it's not, yeah, it's not consistent no, it with consistent. with um the with the philosophy you would think of any of a think tank like that, yeah. a libertarian think tank. I would, and that's why I would never have used that libertarian tag to describe that 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 paper. And you were saying, um, Sam, you were saying that it, 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 these sort of piece, this sort of piece of work, it, it creates an impression of what homelessness is. That actually doesn't. Um, it's not accurate. Well, I think it's just part of the problem with you know some of the media around homelessness is how it perpetuates certain myths, and we know we know that community understandings of homelessness can be varied. And part of you know the big thing we need to do is educate people around you know what is homelessness and what are the actual causes of homelessness, and you know why are people actually homeless. And I think the problem with media like this is the media loves it because it whips up a frenzy but all it does is reinstate a lot of these myths around the fact that you know actually there aren't that many people that are homeless mm-hmm. and the ones that are really it's their own fault so there's yeah. real kind of bringing it back to individuals what their choices have been you know the fact that it's it comes down to things like you know addiction and illness and there's some there is a sense of personal responsibility embedded in that yes. i think um regardless and then this whole idea that, you know, oh, these structural solutions, you know, we're throwing all these structural solutions when actually individuals just need to be dealt with. And then that would be that would be it. We wouldn't have any homelessness. That's at the heart. You've really you've really nutted it out. That's exactly what he's on about. It's He's blaming the vic- well, the victim, basically. Mm. He's blaming the person who's experiencing the, the exploitation, the social exclusion, mm. the stigma. He's blaming that person for their situation. Yeah, he uses the term individual characteristics as, mm. um, you know, one of a, a factor that leads to genuine homelessness. And he also uses that quite loaded term, genuine homelessness, which I think um, takes away from any kind of nuanced or reality of homelessness, um, particularly the, the way that he focuses on only rough sleepers are homeless without taking into account um, the kind of the transient nature of homelessness, I suppose, where you can go from rough sleeping to rooming house to couch surfing, et cetera, et cetera. Um, it's a really simplistic definition that he's using there. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. And and do you think that's, that that's an intentional thing because he wants – because it goes into the mainstream media, he sort of – yeah, do you think some pe- they're forced into like a simplistic message? I don't think they're forced into it. I think it's probably ideological really in terms of where he's coming from. I think it's this idea that basically, you know – there's only a certain amount of people that should be counted as being homeless and we should be directing money towards the rest of people, you know, are fine and kind of should be, well, they're, they're already, you know, whether it's overcrowded, that's, once again, it comes down to the individual, like they just need to work harder or do X, Y, Z to Pull kind of get out of that situation. So if we're mm. talking about, you know, directing government money towards services, obviously, you know, coming from where he is, it seems like it's all about limiting that. And so therefore you just want to limit that to the people who you think who really need it. Um, and everyone else, it's kind of, it's all about individual responsibility. So we don't want to count anyone else because that 
means effectively we're directing services where they shouldn't be going. Or that's all that money's being wasted. Yeah, that t- that type of stuff. Yeah. I mean, I think he raises an interesting argument anyway, not to go into this, but I do think, you know, the thing is when you talk about a definition of homelessness and, and you you know, you do a census and and you you record that, the importance of that is not for some kind of great, okay, there's over 100,000 people homeless, therefore we're going to create services for that 100 and something thousand to try and deal with it. The idea of that is recognising that there are different kinds of homelessness and obviously different individuals with different experiences a woman who's experienced family violence and is homeless as a result and is in a refuge is going to be in a different situation from you know a man in his 50s who's sleeping rough and has been for quite some time or from a young person who's been forced to leave their home and is sleeping on a friend's couch you know that's the whole thing is it's not about trying to sort of bundle everyone into one definition um, with a view to a solution for that one group it's about recognizing that there's a whole there's lots of different forms of homelessness and they will require different solutions. But I think what we always say in the sector is that ultimately what is it always going to come down to is housing. Yeah. Like at the yeah. end mm. of the day, you know, there's going to be a, a ref, you know, a range of different solutions, but the priority is that you need housing and there's been no investment in housing in this country and there's issues with supply and social housing hasn't been in any way given any resources for a long time by government. So... That's the issue we need to be talking about. Mm. And in addition to that, I think um, uh, an increase in Centrelink benefits as well because those two things are tied so, you know, they're they're hand in hand. Um, You can can have all the right support and and funding for homelessness service, but if you kind of magically kind of... Social workers can't help someone find a, a, a rental property where they just can't pay for it. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, there's black and white elements to this, really. Yeah, and, and, and so he's he's basically... he's I find I find he's... And as you pointed out, Sam, he's, it's an ideological approach. You're right. And he's sort of... Def- he is defending the state the way things are. He, he's, he's, he's asking for, for institutions to have more power. And I think I was talking to you about this yesterday, um, Bridget, that... Mm. Um, from a sociological, okay, I don't want to get too accurate, but from a sociological perspective, what he's suggesting is that this can be adjusted if, if people's behaviour is modified by the institutions. That all it takes is a bit of an institutional adjustment and the spinning top that's gone out of whack with rough sleeping, we, we, can, we can fix that if we, if, if, if we just make a... If we don't address... See, power... From another perspective, you could say, so why aren't we talking about the way that power is distributed, the lack of power of the person experiencing homelessness, where he's, he's sort of saying that all we need to do is correct these people. Does that, does that make any sense or am I off on a Yeah, no, tangent? and I think mm. you're right. I mean, I think what exactly. he's really harking back to is a time where there was a lot more sort of institutionalisation and, you know, a much more paternalistic approach. I think that he's saying, look, you know, that that's what we really need to be doing is taking more of that approach yeah. um, and having these kind of – and, look, some of it's not bad. I <coughs> sort of read the end of the article and was like, yes, we do need more housing with support, which mm. is sort of what he's saying. Um, but I think he's really harking back to that idea of, you know, basically – people being forced into either certain kinds of accommodation with treatment um, or, you know, whatever other kind of treatment that they need. Um, And that, look, that that already exists, but that's not the solution. 
No, because that's right. It already exists, and if it was a solution, it, that that we'd be seeing uh, changes in the stats. Yeah, Would and it, also, I mean, it's, the thing that's frustrating mm. to me is that it's also just not talking about. And he expressly says this that you know we're too focused on structural issues. It's like no, we're not. We're no, never talking right. about the See, structure. Right. Yeah, yeah, and you know, you talk mm. about the mental health sector. He's talking about mental health stuff. It's like mm. you're not talking. You know, you want people to have access to treatment. The reason they don't have access to treatment is because we've got a service system that just isn't you know, isn't resourced to try and help people with their mental health issues. So it's, you know, you you want them to get treatment and you're saying they should be forced into it. That's not the problem. The problem is that even if they, you know, want to get access to treatment, it's just not there because the services are so stretched. So, you know, the structure is there, but the resourcing isn't. He's claiming that too much money spent on on the existing supports. On structural issues. Yeah, yeah which don't really address the factors leading to homelessness, which is mental health, illnesses and drug habits. Well, but, and But there's also been research that underlying some of the research that we've done, when well, we'll go into talking about the project a little bit later, you know, sort of indicates that economic issues are the driving, you know, when we talk about Centrelink benefits mm. not being high enough, mm-hmm. you know, for, if you want to use like a, a pretty wacky example, but if you had $2 million, you could have mental health issues, a drug problem, gambling problem. It's not an issue. You've got money. Yeah. So you can mm-hmm. hide all your issues. People that are housed can have all the challenges on, on the face of the earth because they're not living their lives in the public mm-hmm. eye. Mm-hmm. And so your housing status, it defines how your your lifestyle is interpreted, mm-hmm. the choices that you make mm-hmm. as an individual. You can, you know... How pe- much your life is on view. That's right. To mm-hmm. others. Mm-hmm. And then at the same time, when you talk to rough sleepers, they feel like they're invisible. Mm-hmm. So it's this... It's perverse, isn't it? It is. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. You're listening to a podcast of Ruminations, 3CR's peer homeless issues program, which broadcast on Thursday, December the 20th, 2018 with host Spike, co-host Kelly and guests Sam Salwin, principal lawyer with Justice Connect Homeless Law and Bridget Kelly, currently heading a co-design peer project at CoHealth Central City. We're talking about an article titled Dying With Their Rights On, The Myths and Realities of Ending Homelessness in Australia by Dr Carlos de Abrera of Libertarian Think Tank the Centre for Independent Studies. And I don't know how much longer you want to spend on this spot, but I just really want to quickly okay. mention that um, there's five main recommendations in this report. And just speaking to what Sam and, and yourself were just talking about with um, reintroducing institutionalisation, the yep. last point is that um, um, this author would like to re-establish long-term institutional care facilities for the proportion of chronically homeless people, particularly those with mental illness and complex needs who would benefit from high levels of support. That's, that's, so that's one of the key uh, recommendations in the report. And that's frightening because he's basically, it's, okay, it's not, it, it sounds like prison. Mm-hmm. It's warehousing people. Mm-hmm. It's not actually working with people. It's not actually hearing from them how we, you know, what is what is it that's stopping them perhaps from dealing with whatever issues are, are getting in the way from them um, managing whatever, like their issue, whether it be drugs or, <laughs> excuse me, their economic situation or their trauma, instead of dealing with... Um, 
the problem. He just wants to warehouse it. He just wants to make it disappear, it sounds like, mm. to me. And, and, and I like, full disclosure, uh, Bridget and I both work at a, a health service. And Sam, you work with people that experience homelessness all the time. And they have dreams, hopes, uh, aspirations, just like everyone else. And if mm. you read this paper, you wouldn't come away thinking that. Mm. You know, they have, people have birthdays. They have families. You know, that's, that, that's for whatever it's worth, that's one of the most distressing aspects of, of stuff like this. Yeah, to be honest, Spike, when you sent me, so Spike sent us emails because he's very organised with this material. (laughs) Really? And uh, (laughs) Kelly's like, "Mm." Um, but I have to say that I was like, oh, really, you're making me read this. It's very painful to read because you're right. It's just so dehumanising for people and and it goes against the whole grain of what we're trying to do Mm. in Mm. the work that we do and I think what we believe in, um, but leads also very nicely into the project that you guys are working on. Nice. And just, just as a quick aside, before I go into the track, remember next time um, we're doing, uh, when, when we raise money, Radiothon. We the Radiothon, remember, your money helps keep shows like this on the on, on air. And we, we're discussing homelessness. We're, we're discussing, you know, shoddy uh, research by questionable individuals out there in society. So you won't hear this, you know, you won't get the opportunity to hear this from people who work with social workers, lawyers, members of the community and people with a lived experience talking about rough sleeping anywhere else. So, yeah, I just thought I'd give us 3CR a plug for being in a fantastic place. And, all right, we'll go into a track and come back. Uh, hi, this is Jeff Farrell. I'm in from Texas in the U.S. I've escaped the troubles of my continent to come here to Australia. You're listening to Ruminations on 3CR. What a great station, great people. Always a pleasure. Hi, I'm Grady from Melbourne, and you're listening to 3CR Community Radio. We appreciate, like, you mobbing all the people coming and visit us and doing stuff like this, you know. It's very good. It keeps a positive mindset in our mind, you know, and we really appreciate it. Because of her we can, yeah. I wanna be a better, better man, yeah. Because of her we can. Beyond the Bars is 3CR's annual prison project, be better, giving man, voice to Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander inmates across Victoria. You can listen to audio from this year and previous years online anytime. How do you rehabilitate someone? They just put you in a cell and tell you this is how long you're gonna do and it's meant to rehabilitate you, you know? Rehabilitation starts when you get out. That's when your life begins again, doesn't it? In here, your life's on hold. Just go to 3cr.org.au forward slash beyond the bars. Or if you'd like us to post you a free CD, contact the station on 03 9419 When I first come to this jail, it was about 10 years ago, and I was a young one. A whole heap of young ones come off the truck there the other day, and... They called me Auntie Marlene, so it helped me recognise and realise it, like, pulled myself up like, yeah. They're starting to look up to me, so I've got to represent and do the right thing now. Just go to 3cr.org.au forward slash beyond the bars. And we're back. That was... That was, you just heard, Captain Clean Off with Hips the Holocaust. Good Melbourne band. Great Melbourne band. 
And also before them, you heard Discharge with Ain't No Feeble Bastard, which uh, is... Uh, classic British. Classic British band. and also relevant to the show. Okay, um, you're listening to Ruminations 855 on your AM dial. We're, we're discussing um, an article that was in the papers in the last week called Dying With Rights. And so uh, a guy from the Centre for Independent Studies decided to go the hack um, on the ABS stats. He reckons they were inflated and that we should only be counting people that are sleeping rough and uh, approaching rough sleepers uh, uh, and asking them, well, basically not dealing with rough sleeping by uh, asking them to rehabilitate themselves and correct themselves and, and not giving them a, a, like a mandatory sort of, uh, what would you call, institutionalisation to deal with their issues. Okay, before we, before we jump into the project, can I just say... When initially, when when we opened the show and we sort of uh, acknowledged the traditional owners um, of of Australia and, and in, uh, indigenous culture and how this land was stolen uh, and sovereignty was never ceded, one thing that that what that reminds me of, and when we start talking about rough sleeping and uh, homelessness, I, I think about what's happened in the last couple of years um, at Martin Place, the tent city, uh, yeah, the tent city in Martin Place. Um, the Flinders Street uh, occupation of the, the sidewalk, there, sidewalk there on Swanston Street, the City Square sort mm-hmm. of occupation and Bendigo Street because I think their recent um, expressions of, of people acknowledging that they, that, they, that, that they have a voice. And I find that really refreshing and I think it's empowering. Um, and, it's, and, if you, and again, if you just read... Mr. Abrero's article, you would come away thinking that homeless people or rough sleepers don't have that capacity. And so that's, that's, that's why it's such a rotten piece of work because you lose sight of the person and they're, you know, we hear a lot of the resilience and strength of rough sleepers. Well, you know, the, the strength and resilience comes from dealing with really difficult times. Um, and so I think it's important that we recognise that people that are homeless or rough sleepers uh, think they have minds. They they're not happy. There are times when they're not happy with the way they're treated, and there are times and and that, there are examples of people getting together and saying this is not on. Whether it's occupying an empty house, just after the street count, because in 2016, those empty houses on Bendigo Street that was during the street count. So there was 330 people sleeping rough that year, and there was eight empty houses on just around the corner. So you know. And, I, and I'm not questioning the will of services necessarily to do with the issue. I just think that the state government knew those properties were there. Were there, and if they wanted to, if they were fair income about housing people, I think a lot more could have been done to make those houses available. Of course, mm. I really do. And even them opposing put, being, them being put on the housing register, speaking to homeless people, <coughs> um, that no one went to the city square that I'm aware of to speak to those protesters. All the no street. politicians, no, that's, but that's, launch housing and the Salvation Army did. Yeah, because they wanted them to leave and accept rooming houses. When, when the media was talking about the accommodation that was offered, that was, you know, maybe mm. the Palm Hotel, that sort of stuff. It wasn't genuine long-term. So I think it's important that we recognise that uh, people who are experiencing homelessness or have experienced homelessness and rough sleepers, are uh, they're thinking, caring, uh, people like all of us and 
you know, there are there uh, there examples of when they have come together and, and said, "This isn't on," and we want you to hear us and, and made themselves visible. Nicely said, Spy. Thank you, mate. Because yeah, well, it's nice because sometimes academia, the research, you're blinded by you can't see the wood for the trees, and unfortunately, the wood in this case is people. So it's important. Mm. All right. <laughs> now that I've indulged, let's Bridget. Can you? Are you happy to talk about? Yeah, okay. absolutely. So oh, can I just? All right. Did so yep. we've been lucky enough to secure some funding. Um, this at CoHealth. Yes. Yes, that's full disclosure from CoHealth. The one in the city? Yes, yeah. in town, uh, 53 Victoria Street. Oh, yeah. So <laughs> come and say Don't hello. Don't knock on your door. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That would be cool. <laughs> I, hope, I hope they recognise I'm giving them for free plug if they're listening, <laughs> if you're out there. Uh, so, yes, we've been successful in getting some funding, which actually came out of – the funding came out of when – okay, initially it was the Move On Powers. Remember the Move On Powers that there was a parliamentary what's-a-name – into that Inquiry, didn't work. Yeah. That's right. And so the union was involved in getting that overturned. Homeless Persons Union? Yes, the Homeless Persons Union. That's one for us. That was awesome that we, Fitzroy Legal Service, facilitated that, which was awesome, awesome of them. And then we had the, after the Flinders Street thing, we had the police commissioner claiming, uh, questioning the, the sincerity of people that were rough sleepers, saying that they weren't genuine rough sleepers and the mayor was going to town questioning people, you know, dis- making disparaging remarks about their, their character and, you know, them, you know, rough sleepers in general and, and they're all drinkers and all the rest of it. So when that wasn't successful, when the people of Melbourne said no to the draconian, you know, those punitive laws that would have... Uh, not only criminalise people sleeping rough, anyone assisting them, mm. uh, anyone assisting them could have been fined or uh, charged, uh, and and all people's p- people's unattended belongings would have been confiscated. Two and, bags, one swag. Well, thing. that's that. That was another. That was another sort of episode of <laughs> the saga of the city of Melbourne mm. dealing with rough sleeping. So we've gotten some funding, and so Bridget, please. Sure, yeah. So we've got funding from the City of Melbourne and um, yeah, we've, our partners are um, Justice Connect, Homeless Law, uh, Council for Homeless People and Bolton Clark, which people might know more as the RDNS or Rural District Nursing Service. Um, and we have got some funding for myself. I'm working as a project worker and Spike is um, also the, the peer worker and um we will it's a co-design project so what that means is um uh involvement from the very start and all the way through heavy involvement and equal partnership with people who are actually uh affected by an outcome or um a service user or whatever term you want to go by um and uh, and a service so that's us co-health with um a number of people who have are currently rough sleeping in the cbd or have slept rough in the cbd in the past uh, we're putting together some surveys to ask people about what type of um, impact the um, sleeping rough has had on their health or justice issues, um, and that's what the um, project is focused on, trying to work out if there's something that can be done um, to lessen the impact that rough sleeping can have on health and justice issues. That's why we have Justice Connect and um, health services involved. Uh, after we've done our surveys, we're looking to survey about 100 people um, and at a various sort of different sites all around um, the CBD and elsewhere. And then after that, we want to put together a – we're going to put together a reference group. So that will be a, a paid reference group. 
um, with people, about 10 or 12 people who have an experience with rough sleeping, which Spike and I will facilitate. And through that, um, those meetings over about six months, uh, we'll come up with some kind of a resource, response. It really depends on what the people want. So Spike and I can't sort of decide from the get-go. <laughs> um, but we can facilitate that. And um, we've done a lot of research and we've, um, we've in addition to the uh, the major partners, we've um, also met with a huge amount of community services, academics. There's a lot of investment and a lot of interest um, in this. And, uh, yeah, that's – is there anything else we can add to that? Um, just – I think, um, okay, just to add to that is that we we hope, um, well, I, I suppose I should speak, should speak for myself in saying in that I think this is a really important opportunity to begin the discussion about sleeping rough and the health and legal issues that people sleeping rough face. But from the, from the perspective of those who are having the lived experience, so they can tell us what, what, what mm. sort of issues are they having with the police? How, how do the police deal with them? Um, how do they manage their health issues? Uh, uh, are they finding um, that our DNS meets their needs, oh, the Bolton Clark? We, we need to know if we're going to share this city as um, you know, respectful uh, in an equitable way, as respectful people. Um, it's, it's, there needs, a dialogue needs to start. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, us being able to get this, um, secure this funding to begin the discussion, I think this is really important. Um, and I know that Sam Justice Connect is really interested in seeing what some of the results are. Well, I Especially, think, <clears throat> yeah, I mean, you're right. I think that this is huge in terms of that actually having people with lived experience being able to directly, you know, speak to what some of the issues that are faced, but also think about, well, what are some of the things that might be not solutions per se? We're not saying mm. that people come up with solutions, but what are some of the things in terms of whether it's resources or anything else that services might or might not be able to do that might actually be able to address some of those issues? So I think, you know, a lot of the time, you know, and I say this, obviously, we're, you know, we work in services. I think that all services are very well-intentioned. Mm. I think sometimes it's really difficult to actually really be clear on, well, what are the kind of needs that we're dealing with? And certainly um, in the legal space, I think we're always struggling with that because I think, firstly, um, you know, legal needs are not always well understood. So I think that, you know, sometimes you, people don't even understand that the problem that they're dealing with is a legal problem that might have a legal solution. Um, and it's also trying to, you know, ascertain that so you can think about how can we how can we do our work better? How can we make sure that, you know, we do more work so that people don't end up getting fines that then they have to deal with through the legal system, some of that preventative work. And I think, you know, the more you actually speak to people with the lived experience and understand that, the better the services and the solutions can be in terms of being tailored to that. And I think, like you say, it's just about also people being, you know, who are actually the ones experiencing this, having a, a say and having that that real kind of seat at the table to say, this is what's going on and this is what we think is going to be, you know, useful or what's needed. Yeah. Yeah. When you've got your findings, is it like an 18, <clears throat> 18-month project, I heard? Yeah. Are you going to have like a public event where people can come and you can share the findings and have that community like... I hope so. Together, that would be great. I hope so. We yeah. haven't talked about that, but mm. that's such a great that's idea. That's a great idea. And I think, yeah, mm. we, we, we will do something like that. And also um, there's time to also like not only share that whatever comes out of the project, but there's time and, and funding allocated to our project to try and source ongoing funding if it's something that, you know, can keep going um, after we've piloted it. So, um, 
Yeah, well, definitely. Mm-hmm. Spike and I are um, out and about a lot. We're talking to not just community services, but we're talking to people who are sleeping rough. We're talking to groups. There's barbecues. There's flyers. Um, yeah, we're, we're trying to get the word out as much as possible and really, um, yeah, let people know. Look, this is a really, uh, it's a great opportunity, I hope. I don't know if the City of Melbourne are aware that, you know, how this could be like how sort of um, groundbreaking this can be. You know, I wonder sometimes if if they're aware of of how this, of how important this is. I hope they, you know, sometimes I think, and I hope this doesn't get me into trouble, that they're just ticking a box when really this is a really great initiative. This is like, you know, uh, it it could be, you know, it could be world's best practice sort of stuff. And Mm -hmm. if, because you're starting to redress you know, we've just talked about this guy's article and how it's people like these, their views dominate the airwaves. Mm. You know, we, I found out about it and I don't read papers every day. Um, but, you know, but, you know the, 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 the view of the establishment and the sort of the hegemonic view is something we're, we're, we're aware of. And it's something as a, someone that works in services, you know, you, you struggle with because... You know, a lot of people ask the question, so sometimes you hear when someone who's experienced rough, sleep, rough sleeping has been offered a property and they don't accept it, it blows everyone's mind. It's sort of like, why don't they want this property? And, and it goes to the heart, of, again, to that article. It's, it's maybe time we respected that person's decision. If that person has decided that... Or understood. Und, well, mm. at least made the effort mm. to understand that she, this person has decided, for me right now, I don't want it. And it's about respecting them and where they're coming from. Mm. They're not. That doesn't make them necessarily mentally ill, um, an, an addict. See, that's uh, that's what really upsets me about that sort of stuff. And I think the frustration that you're expressing is also about the fact that those examples, which are not fully understood, because there's never any context given. Like, oh, someone was mm. offered like a, yeah. you know temporary you know transitional house in whoop whoop where they're far away from their services and friends and you know so there's no context given to Mm. that individual story but i think Mm. it's more that that individual story is then used to concoct this idea that all people experiencing homelessness you know you know they're being given access to housing but they're refusing it so it creates all this mythology around well they're just people are being ungrateful so you Mm. know they're they're not actually taking the help that we're offering and so therefore you know, it become it use. You know, they use that one example, yeah. and it turns into something else. But, but mm. thanks for for sort of making that clear. I, I hope I didn't I didn't use that example. Yeah, I, I don't know if I use that right. But that's you know, you hear that a lot. You know, people offered stuff and they don't take it. Well, you know, the context is important, yeah. and, and respecting individual choice is important too. Mm. Um, it's like I've we we were lucky enough to visit some countries in Europe where people's choices are respected. You know, and there are. You know, I know it's a little bit of a utopian sort of. It can be perceived as a utopian sort of idea of, you know, there's people. There, there are people around the world that not everyone fits into capitalism. It doesn't work for everyone. It no. really doesn't. You know, I remember when I got housed, getting you know, getting used to paying bills. Um, haven't now I've got the tax. I'm paying back the stuff like the tax office, paying back mm. Centrelink because I've, I work two days a week. Becoming a citizen, you know. The, you, there are times where you think I could I could just walk away from this. It's not it's it's not an easy thing to do, to be to be considered a fully functional, however that's perceived. In, in you know it's it's not easy. I think that could tie that that ties into what you're saying ties into our project as well. In that um, 
moving the the process of moving out of sort of um, rough sleeping or or homelessness in, into to being housed can be such a huge journey yeah. in it and living in two worlds and there's, there's a bit of research out there by Guy Johnson on that which is really interesting. Um, but uh, this project, if people can who have got that experience can actually talk about things that could just slightly improve or just help them through that period of rough sleeping, moving into housing could be perhaps like a, an, an easier process than it mm. might have been before. So that's just another mm. element of it. Mm. Do we want to mention about the um, peer, peer yes. roles that are coming yes. out? Do you yeah. want to cover that? Yeah, that's, that you've yeah. led really beautifully into that because there are going to be roles hopefully – you know, I don't want to say fingers because I don't want to be superstitious, but there will be roles opening up uh, places like the living room, co-health, um, maybe Justice Connect, I'm not sure, for peer workers that may help be able to support people that have moved into new properties. So participation in this project where, during the surveys and, ho- and hopefully people we can choose 10 people or 12 people to stay on during the reference groups will count as some sort of training and capacity mm. building. Mm. And, and there are, there are roles opening up as peer support workers, uh, in the next couple of years. So we're told. So look, if anyone who's been a rough sleeper in the CBD or is a rough sleeper in the CBD, we visited the living room, um, the salvos, um, geez, justice connect, um, unison, uh, with wire, we visited any number of places in the CBD. If you if you access any of those places, let them know that you're interested in in the um, sleeping rough harm minimisation project. Say that you heard it on three CR and you heard Bridget and Spike talking about it and Sam and Kelly, because you know it, it's it, yeah it's important that this is an opportunity to have your voice heard and contribute to a strategy or a resource or you know. Um, a mechanism to help people dealing with the health and legal issues that come out of sleeping rough. Yeah, and I just want to add to that that um, it's there's support support provided. There's we you know some of the principles of co-design and even the principles in how I work and I'm assuming how Spike works is to be as inclusive as absolutely possible. So um, any barriers you might have to literacy, language, anything like that will be catered for. Um, we want to hear the voices of everyone. So it's not, it's, yeah, young, old, male, female. So, um, yeah, don't let that stop you and, and please, yeah, please reach out. I think probably another way of coming into to co-health at yeah, 53 Victoria on. Street. Um, and I'm not sure if there's any other way we can let um, emails or I'm not sure. Yeah, I was going to ask, how well is it being promoted? How is it being promoted? Uh, at the moment, we've just finished our flyer for participants. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So a spike will be handing that out tomorrow at the barbecue. And then we'll start spruiking um, with that flyer throughout kind of the CBD um, if anyone, and, and through services mostly. Um, so any sort of outside of services kind of spots mm. or groups or anything that it would be, yeah, another idea would be useful. What about the, um, you know, the NSP foot patrol? that Because yep. yep. they're always out yeah, in the CBD yeah, meeting yeah. people. For sure. Yeah. I think Orange Absolutely. Sky also. Orange we're, Sky We're waiting yeah, to get in contact. Yep. They see yep. heaps of people and they'd be, they'd be a really great uh, uh, teammate, I suppose. Yeah. You know, yeah. partner in yeah. this because they've been a real, from what I, you know, they, they've been fantastic for a lot of people. You know, mm. it, it's important that. People are able to live with some dignity, even if that that is on the street. Because, as we've talked about, you know, that's where some people are at right now, and so it's important that we respect that, and it's important that we give people. And this project is a great opportunity to have their voice heard. Um, 
Oh, and, and to discuss the issue because, you know, homelessness, yeah, look, it can be a horrible, it is a horrible experience, but it's not wasted time. Mm-hmm. It's, you know, it's not, no one should ever be ashamed of their lived experience. Um, I remember doing a talk with David Giles and, and um, he's I, a, a, a researcher yeah, at Deakin University, yes. a friend of the show. Yes, he is. And, um, doing a talk with a deacon or something and I, I remember telling him something about, you know, family violence and that sort of stuff and and then wondering, should I have told him that? But you know what? We shouldn't be, ashamed, you know, things that lead to, you know, horrible situations, it's not your fault. Mm. It's not your fault. And, and if this program, I hope this project goes some way to, to dispelling that myth that it's the fault of the individual. And even if it's hopefully for the people that participate, it's going to give them an opportunity to start thinking about it in that way, that there are you know systemic issues at play, there are structural issues at play, and it's not your fault, mm-hmm. and that we really need to hear from you. The Boldness, campaigning for human rights for people with disabilities. Join us every third Wednesday of the month at 6pm on 3CR. I spent three and a half years living on the street and I know what it's like to have no hope and not to feel part of the society and I think that's where a lot of these people are. But I think we need to help people who are traumatised and help people get back on their feet and give them hope and help them um, feel like they're a part of the society again instead of just moving them on like they're an inconvenience. If it were not for ruminations, how would the views of those of us who have been homeless or are homeless, how would these views ever be aired? How would they ever be expressed? Subscribe to the station that gives airtime to people with a lived experience of homelessness. Support 3CR. Hello, my name is Sam and I'm from India and I'm here for my studies. So Sam, there's so many tens of thousands of vacant uh, buildings in Victoria and so many tens of thousands of homeless people. How do you feel about homeless people's right to squat? Is that something that you would support or not? Yeah, for sure I'll support for this thing because, you know, I feel bad for the people who are like homeless and plus if you say that there are so many empty spaces out there, yeah, they should, you know, actually, they both should do something for each other. Like, it's a good country out here, so, yeah, I feel bad for the people who are just homeless or something. I feel very pretty for them. Yeah. Thank you, Sam. No worries. Are you homeless or facing the possibility of homelessness? Tune into Ruminations on 3CR, 8.55am on Thursdays at 12pm. Ruminations is the voice for the homeless.
last couple of minutes yeah. we've got might right. be great if Sam could um, let folks know a couple of details on how people can get in get in touch with with Justice Connect and all the great work that they do to assist people. So Justice Connect Homeless Law, we're one team of Justice Connect. So there are actually, we do a whole range of work in terms of trying to provide access to justice for people who otherwise wouldn't get that. Um, but as Spike said, obviously, homeless law, we're very much focused on people who are at risk of homelessness, um, who are experiencing homelessness. So um, as a result, so we provide legal advice and representation to people um, in a range of legal issues. And as Spike said, particularly for people who are sleeping rough or who are experiencing really visible homelessness, um, fines is one of the major issues that we do help with. What kind of fines? Look, it can be anything. I mean, a lot of the time what we see people are dealing with is, you know, those fines you typically get because you're living your life in public spaces. So things like being drunk in public, which hopefully at some stage might be repealed yes. if things go well. Yes. Um, but those And begging charges and fines um, and certainly things like not having a valid ticket. Wow. Um, so a huge range of fines and fines for sleeping in your car. So... Um, any fines that might be related to you experiencing homelessness, um, we'll help you with. But basically, the, be the best way to get in touch with us is that we do have an intake line. Um, and through that intake line, basically, you can get onto someone who will basically talk through the process and then you'll get booked in to see our lawyers mm -hmm. who help you with your matter. Anyone that's been a rough sleep or is sleeping rough in the CBD, even give Co-Health a number. So it's 94486816. And again? Uh, 94486816. Cool. So, yeah, um, yeah, that's Bridget's number. So, yeah, if you've, if you've had a lived experience or you're having a lived experience of homelessness in the CBD, please get in touch. We want to hear from you. Yeah, and we're happy to – let's work together and, and provide them with an amazing resource or strategy that they can't ignore. Mm. People can go online, Justice Connect Homeless yeah. Law, right? Justiceconnect.org.au yeah. is yeah. definitely the best place yeah. to go and everything is there, including we do have online portals. Go to the website and it's all there, justiceconnect.org.au. It's been a treat. Oh, yeah, it's been a great having so, you in yeah, today. Yeah, I just want to thank you guys for coming in. Cheers. Thanks, Sam. Thanks, Bridget. Thanks, Kelly. You're welcome. Thank you. Pleasure. You've been listening to Ruminations Housing and Homelessness Issue Show. See bye, you later. Bye. Have a good day. You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.